37, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Early Brewers game today, so a bit of an abbreviated show. I think our pregame coverage starts at 1135. Let's get right to it. We start off today's program like we start off every program. Three big things, things I think you need to know about, hopefully thought-provoking to discuss as you go through your day. Um, Number one, the aftermath of the attack in Manchester, England two nights ago. Everybody knows about the story now. To me, it represents a dramatic escalation of terrorist activity because this targeted kids. Now, I understand that there have been other examples of terrorist activity. Think the Boston Marathon bombing where you had the people that, you know, put the backpack bomb um, that went off. But this this particular site was, I think, chosen because from the perspective of the attendees at the concert, you were talking about, you know, teenage girls, preteen girls. That was the largely the makeup of the audience. So what happened is at the end of the concert the other night, you have somebody with the, the bomb or bombs positions themselves immediately outside the venue as people are leaving. So they didn't go in the venue, didn't have to go through security procedures, set off the bomb, kill themselves, kill 20-some people. One of the first reported deaths was an 8-year-old girl. Um, 18-year-old teenager died. This is, of course, every parent's nightmare. Every parent's nightmare that you send your kid off to a concert and then they do not come home. But this is a dramatic, to me, increase in the the effort of terrorism because the terrorists have always been looking at what they call the soft targets. Um, Here's a situation where they identify potentially a soft target and they show up and they're willing to target kids. And that's if you if you ever wonder whether there are truly evil people in the world or that these jihadists are are evil and don't deserve to be called out as, you know, terrorists. Well, all right, this this demonstrates, I think, pretty much to the contrary. But here is the problem. We live in a free society, and there is only so much that you can do to make venues safe. In this particular situation, all right, you, you had somebody that had not gone into the venue, but they positioned themselves outside the venue, outside the security, but still where people were coming in. What what do you end up doing? And it, and it presents a, a very, very real thing. I, I'll use the example of Miller Park, and you know, I, I don't suggest that terrorists are targeting Miller Park, but at Miller Park, they have security to get into the Miller Park facility. They don't have security that checks your cars as you're coming into the parking lot. So theoretically, somebody could do at Miller Park or at Lambeau Field or in the parking lots of Summerfest or in the parking lots outside the Bradley Center or whatever, somebody could could do this. And you can keep moving the perimeter out, I guess, but but that only that that's still only so uh, effective. At, at what point in time we're going to do? We're going to stop every car going into you know Summerfest parking lots. Are you going to? What about the foot traffic? There's only so much that you can do from the perspective of trying to maintain security to keep these crazy people out. Which is why one of the key elements of trying to prevent terrorist activity is the concept of see something, say something. If you see something suspicious, tell somebody. It might turn out to be perfectly normal. It might turn out to be absolutely nothing at all. But 
See something, say something. Hey, this looks out of place. This looks unusual. You call the authorities and you let them investigate it. And maybe they'll determine, like I say, there's nothing to it. Maybe they'll just think you're a crank or whatever. But but that's one of the ways you perhaps foil the terrorist activity before the person shows up at the perimeter of a particular situation. All right, that's it. I'm a big believer in see something, say something. Here is the problem, and this is the uncomfortable reality. And I hate to lay this on you at 8.42 in the morning, but I've been thinking a lot about this. Here is the uncomfortable reality. If you look at the terrorist attacks that have gone on in this country and the terrorist attacks that have gone on overseas, you don't see... 75-year-old white women, or 75-year-old black women, for that matter, they're not the terrorist bombers. By and large, by and large, with a couple notable exceptions, it's not a 30-year-old white male. It's not a 30-year-old African-American male. that's, That's not who the terrorist bombers are. There happens to be a certain, and here's the word, profile that you have. And for... You know, whatever reasons, and I am not suggesting that, you know, everybody who is from an Arab country, I'm not suggesting that anything more than a handful of people who might be from an Arab country or something like that are going to be terrorists. I'm not suggesting that. But nevertheless, there is, and here's the word, there is a profile of the people who tend to engage in this type of activity. It's not saying that that is unique. Could all of a sudden, could you have a 75-year-old African-American woman decide that she is suddenly going to go on this jihad and show up with us as a suicide bomber? Yes, I acknowledge that there is the possibility, but that is not the profile. That would be incredibly atypical. So we say, see something, say something. But to see something say something when you're trying to be alert to terrorism one of the things you're going to be doing is you're going to be doing some profiling in your mind hey this is a young arab male and it might be unfair but this is a young arab male and you know those the young arab males tend to be the ones who act as the suicide bombers now i bring this up because there's a story out of out of chicago where there's now been a lawsuit filed against the police what happened was um July 4th, last 4th of July, police in Chicago were on high alert of terrorist activity um, in the downtown area. So what they see is a Muslim woman, and they were particularly worried. They'd gotten reports that there was going to be a lone wolf terrorist. So they're they're on hypersensitive. They're hypersensitive. They find a, a woman who is Muslim. She's got the headscarf. She's carrying a backpack. And, you know, her face is covered. She's coming out of a subway station, and they say she is acting suspiciously. Um, they receive, and, and so what they do is they stop her, and they end up searching her. She has now filed a lawsuit saying that she was unfairly targeted because of her race and because of, you know, her religious garb. And the lawsuit is proceeding. I don't know whether she's going to collect or not, but she was, in fact, profiled. They didn't jack up other sorts of people who were coming out of the subway, they profiled her. It was a version of see something, say something, and now she's suing. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Can see something, say something exist in today's world? And if one of the triggers 
that causes people to be suspicious is, for example, here's a young, you know, or a young Arab male carrying a backpack who looks a little bit out of place. Should you still call the police? Or should you be afraid to call the police because, well, gee, maybe I'm I'm profiling because if it was a young African-American male with a backpack, I, I wouldn't think terrorism. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next, and I'll tell you where I come down on this. But see something, say something. Can you still do it in America in 2017? It's 849, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, our text line's exploding. Um, let's see, Greg says, as Greg and Appleton writes, as you were starting this topic, I question how to say something without being accused of racism for doing so. Potentially a lose-lose situation, don't have a good answer. Beth writes, see something, say something isn't perfect, but it's the best thing. You would think that the woman who was stopped by the police would appreciate that the police are attempting to keep her family safe as well. It is politically cor- political correctness run amok. Yeah, I mean, look, let's be honest here. That The demographic, there is a certain demographic that is committing the terrorist acts. That, that's, that's it. It's not 75-year-old black women. It's not 42-year-old white men or black men as a general rule. There could be exceptions, but it is a certain type. All right, is profiling, should you be hesitant to call the police if, for example, you see something that looks suspicious and one of the factors is, hey, this is a young Arab male acting suspicious with a backpack in an area where maybe he doesn't belong. All right, is it is it unreasonable to make that phone call? Should you do it? John in Appleton. John, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. John. Um, you had just mentioned honesty, and I think that's such a strong part of this. Whenever you hear about a, a, a child or someone being mauled by a dog, you know what the dog is. It's usually a pit bull. It's not a golden retriever. And we live our lives understanding this and avoiding situations, but when it comes to this topic, we can't do that. Yeah, 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 exactly, because, you know, we're, we're uncomfortable with that or this is profiling or or whatever and the truth is yeah it is profiling to an extent but but it is that is one of the relevant factors no thanks for the call I'm, i've told this story before when i was a federal prosecutor you know uh, chasing drug dealers dea had a drug courier profile and the profile and it, it wasn't perfect but it was one of the things that you look at as a factor in considering things and you know what it included age um, it included um, certain demographic information. As a general rule, like the smugglers weren't 75-year-old ladies. They were young, white, and black, typically men, sometimes women. All right, that's just a factor. Why do we have to stick our heads in the sand and pretend that, gee, you know, if you've got a young Arab male who is acting suspiciously with a backpack, that you suddenly should have to be afraid to at least make some inquiry? And is it fair to all the young Arab males? No, it's not. It's not, and that's why everybody should just be so irate at what is going on, you know, with the terrorism, because it's it's not fair. And I'm not suggesting everybody's a terrorist, but I am suggesting that you can't move the perimeters of these events. You can't guarantee security. We live in a free society, so the only way we're able to catch terrorists is to try to catch them before they set off those bombs. Todd in Greenfield. Todd, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. It's much better to profile and worry about and not worry about offending somebody yeah. if it's providing it's also suspicious activity yeah I'm, right yeah i'm not suggesting that every lie. time you see two arab males walking down the street you call the police and say i think there's a conspiracy no, no. and it's not going to get to that point 
but people should not be hesitant because of innocent people getting wiped out. And so you're better off possibly saving lives than offending people. Plain and simple. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right, exactly. And, and this is always this tension that's there, and, and we're, we're just afraid to come out and to speak the, the truth. And I understand to an extent that that is, is not fair to young Arab males I in the United States almost all of whom are not terrorists and would never think of being a suicide bomber. I understand it's not fair, but I guess here's like I, what I would tend to look at. I just turned 60. All right, if the terrorist profile, if the people that were setting off bombs and killing children across the world ended up being, you know, the profile was 60-year-old white men with blonde hair and blue eyes over six feet tall, you know what? I would understand why I might be getting a little bit of extra scrutiny if I'm walking slowly through a neighborhood or something. But that's not what the reality is. Um, let's see. Dan writes on our text line. Many people were killed in San Bernardino because some were afraid of being accused of profiling air on the side of safety. That is all that I am saying. And there's always this tension there when the police then do intervene. Now, I mean, there are limits as to what they can do under the Constitution, and I, I get that. But it, it's an untenable situation right now. And if people hold off and if people decide, well, this looks really suspicious to me, but I, I just I don't want to be accused of being a racist or I don't want to be accused of profiling. Well, all right, that that might be the decision that stops the authorities from be able, being able to do their job. I'm just saying in today's world of terrorism, we need to uh, deal with the reality, not necessarily with the theory. And the reality is, like I say, it's not 75-year-old African-American women on walkers who are showing up outside a concert in Manchester, England, and killing 8-year-old girls. 855, this is Jeff Wagner. Big thing number two is coming up, the impeachment election, and then money for the Dontre Hamilton family. Stick around. It's 909, this is Jeff Wagner. We're right in the middle of our three big things segment. Hey, coming up right after the 10 o'clock news, Milwaukee Alderman Bob Donovan, who says things that other people are unwilling to say, and he is very often right. Um, he, he's he's going to be coming out with a, a statement a little bit later on this morning, but he is absolutely right. As we wrestle with budget issues, there is some low-hanging fruit in connection with cigarettes. Um, and State Representative Joe, Joe Sanfilippo has been trying to get this changed, and he's meeting resistance in the Republican-controlled legislature. It has to do with cigarette taxes and the advantage we give to Native American tribes. I'll tell you all about it. We'll probably discuss that at the start of the 10 o'clock hour because um, I think there's a very serious question as to whether Wisconsin should continue to have handouts to the tribes when it comes to cigarettes. But we'll discuss that in just a little bit. Right now, we're right in the middle of our three big things. Big story number two, the Dontre Hamilton settlement continues to move forward. Now, if this is finally approved, we will uh, look. The, the Dontre Hamilton family has a very, very good lawyer. I, I, I've known him for years. Um, actually, if this settlement is ultimately approved, we, we might he and I might go one on one discussing it. But, but everybody remembers this story. Dontre Hamilton was the mentally ill man who was sleeping in Red Arrow Park. April 30th of 2014, employees at a nearby Starbucks called police to complain that he was sleeping in the park. A pair of police officers twice had checked on him and found that he was doing nothing wrong. 
All right. Then police officer Christopher Manny, who was the beat officer assigned to that area, he gets a voicemail that had been left for him complaining about the guy sleeping in the park. Manny was unaware that other officers had checked on him. So he he goes out to, to check on him again. He goes to the park. He approaches Hamilton, who was lying on the ground. He asks him to stand. Um, he comes up from behind Hamilton, puts his arms and hands under Hamilton's arms and chest, and then describe, and then tries to pat him down to see if he has any weapons on him. In that process, after as while Manny is being while Manny is patting down Dontre Hamilton, Hamilton turns turns violent, grabs Manny's baton, his police baton, and they get into a fight. Manny pulls out his gun. He shoots Hamilton fourteen times. Right then, you know everybody knows protests, all these things that, that erupt, and there's all these demonstrations, etc. Um, six months after the shooting, Ed Flynn fires Officer Manny saying that he did not follow his training about how to deal with emotionally disturbed people and engaged in an improper pat-down. That this is the initial, here, stand up, I'm going to check you for weapons. Flynn made it clear that he didn't believe that Manny uh, used excessive force. You know, once Dontre Hamilton grabbed his baton, Manny was being fired for the pat-down, the out-of-policy pat-down, which I think sent shockwaves through the Milwaukee Police Department over, gee, this is something that they're going to get you fired. State and federal prosecutors looked at this, found that there was no criminal, that Manny did nothing criminally wrong. All right? Manny was fired. He's now collecting, I think, a, a disability um, situation. Fire and Police Commission predictably upheld Flynn's discharge. Manny's retired on a duty disability claim. The family of, family of Dontre Hamilton filed a civil rights lawsuit. And now it appears that the city, yesterday a Common Council Committee, approved a $2.3 million settlement. To the family of Dontre Hamilton, city attorney had kind of signed off on this, saying, "Well, you know, we, we think this is um, a reasonable settlement, um, and we believe essentially that uh, legal fees are, are continuing to run up, and there's a chance that we could possibly lose this. So it's best to just cut our losses and pay 2.3 million dollars." Now, for the sake of arguments, for the sake of arguments. Let us assume that this was, in fact, an improper pat-down. And that's a matter that was, you know, litigated and argued in, in front of the Fire and Police Commission, and a federal judge ultimately adopted uh, adopted that position because the chief said it was, because the Fire and Police Commission said it was. So let us assume, for the sake of argument, that, that Christopher Manny was wrong in the first place in putting his hands on on Dontre Hamilton and patting him down to see if he had weapons. Let us assume for the sake of argument that he was wrong when he did that. All the other findings suggest that everything that happened after that, Manny was was justified in. Dontre Hamilton grabs his baton. The struggle ensues. It's a legitimate exercise of self-defense. But let us assume for, again, the sake of argument that 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 initial pat-down was incorrect. $2.3 million dollars 414-799-1620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line 2.3 million dollars it this is a tragic situation it is it is unfortunate that this man lost his life it, it, it is but if what the officer did 
was the improper pat down under these circumstances. You know, you get this call, you're you know, you don't know that other people have checked it out. You show up, um, you know, you got a report that you've got somebody who's been, you know, loitering and sleeping on on the ground there and you even though it's apparently an out-of-policy pat-down, I guess, decide that, you know, you want to pat him down to make sure that he doesn't have a weapon or something. And then because of the man's actions, grabbing the baton, the struggle, you know, the unfortunate situation, the death ensues. $2.3 million. Does that seem to you like a reasonable settlement? Or is there politics and other things coming into play in this decision, 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I have to tell you, I understand why the city wants this to go away. I get it. And I understand that, you know, legal fees can run up. And I understand, especially in today's environment, that you go to trial and there's a chance that some jury is going to look at this and come down and say $10 million or $20 million. So I believe I get the whole idea of cutting losses. But still, under these circumstances... You know, if the real misconduct here is the improper out of policy pat down, two point three million? Wow. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. It's nine sixteen, Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. It's nine nineteen, Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. One of my, my friends who who <laughs> Actually, supervises litigation. Just sent me uh, on my private line. Just sent me a text saying, "I'm listening to you. I'm in traffic." And you know, the thing is, a 2.3 million dollar settlement beats a 15 million dollar verdict. It, it does. It, it does. The question is, all right. You know, was there a likelihood of a 15 million dollar verdict? Um, at some point in time, you know, do you just have to cut your losses? And that appears to be what the city is doing. I also appreciate the city is in a difficult legal position here because the, the chief of police has already determined that the pat down what was unjustified. So that puts the city in a very difficult position of trying to defend that. But if what you have is an unjustified pat-down and then the actions of, in this case, Dontre Hamilton, which led to his unfortunate shooting, does that justify $2.3 million? Rick in Elkhorn. Rick, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Rick. Um, I just go back. Uh, I appreciate I understand the $2.3 I'm sorry, Rick, your, your cell phone is cutting out. I apologize. Um, Robert in Port Washington. Robert, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I was o- always under the impression, for example, if you were in a car accident, you unfortunately end up killing someone. Normally, when they try to come to a decision as to what should be awarded, they usually look at how much income a person makes. So if someone's making 20000 a year versus someone who makes $100,000 a year, and they figure out, so I'm kind of surprised how you would arrive at this much money for someone who probably wasn't working. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the family should get something, but I'm just shocked at the amount. Yeah, well, there's right, and there's also I think there's a potential for punitive damages here. I mean, that's I guess that's the I guess that's the situation. The, the city is clearly in a position where, again, because of the chief's finding and the fire and police commission's finding that this was an out of policy pat down. 
they're 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 sort of limited because you start off with the fact that the, the perception that the officer did something wrong, even though I'm not necessarily sure I agree with that. But but that ship has sailed. But yeah, the, the two point three million. See, clearly they're afraid they're going to get nailed with this huge verdict. But at the same time. You know, that money has to come from the taxpayers. And you just kind of wonder, gee, is now this going to open the door for everybody who's the subject to an illegal pat-down to sue and expect millions of dollars? Well, I kind of feel sorry for the police in this going forward. If I was a policeman, and I think if I was close to retirement age, I think I would opt out because it's, you, you know, as a policeman today, I don't know how, how you can actually do your job. Anymore. Well, I, I do. I mean, th- thanks to call. I mean, that, that's I, when I started the, this off. Uh, again, I, I, be, because the chief says it's an out-of-policy pat-down, that, that's the position. I know that there's a lot of police officers who are saying, okay, then we're not sure we really understand what, what, is, the, what is and isn't an out-of-policy pat-down. Um, you, you need to have reasonable suspicion to believe that somebody you know, might be you know, armed or might be committing crime or something like that. So, I mean, the, the finding was there wasn't reasonable suspicion. At the same time, you know, under these circumstances, I, I don't know that I think that that, even if the officer might have been wrong, I don't know that I think that that was necessarily something that he was egregiously wrong on. And it's an unfortunate thing. You're sorry the guy lost his life. There's no question about it. But the, the reason this escalated was because the man struggled in this case. But there's also, I don't think you can divorce this case and the settlement from the politics. I'm sorry, I just don't think you can. Pat in New Berlin. Pat, you're on 620 WTMJ. Pat. Okay, let's try Steve in Greenfield. Steve, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Uh, the Hamilton family doesn't deserve one penny from this case because if they truly cared about the welfare of Don Trey, he wouldn't have been living on the street homeless. Uh, this is just a uh, a family that looks at the city of Milwaukee Police Department as an ATM machine. Well, I see. See, and I'm not. And I'm not willing to go. I, I I'm not willing to go that that far. I'm not. I'm not even willing to go down that road because what happened is you you had. Look, I, I don't know what the dynamics are. If, if you've ever, you know, for, I've, I've never had to deal with mental illness in my family. I, so, but I, I know people who have. And the, the problem is, you know, you can be the most devoted family. You could be the most punched in family. You could be the most caring family. And if you've got adult you know, family members who are suffering from mental illness, there's only so much that you can do. So I'm not going to criticize the, the family I don't know what went on and what help they tried to get him and things like that. I just because again you 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 don't know until you've walked in those shoes. I guess I just look at it and say, okay, under these circumstances, you know, a two point three million dollar settlement. Now I understand you're dealing with the risk on our text line. Um, uh, civil settlements are random. Who knows if it's a fitting settlement? Manning did shoot him fourteen times. OJ lost a wrongful death suit worth millions, um, even though he won his murder trial. Yeah, well, okay, you know that's. Yeah, O.J. won the murder trial, but, I mean, everybody, I think, understands that that was a miscarriage of justice. $2.3 million uh, to the family. It doesn't bring Dontre Hamilton back, but does this send a chilling message to police as to how you have to handle situations? Or is it a teaching tool? Uh, I think the Common Council is going to ultimately sign off on this, but... It seems to me that's a lot of dough for if the misconduct was essentially, hey, an improper pat-down. 925, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Third big thing coming up, the phrase impeachment election is being thrown around. Stick around.
It's 928, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. WTMJ lets you experience some of Wisconsin's finest supper clubs at half price this week. Our supper club featured restaurant is Katarina's Ristorante in Milwaukee. It's been family owned since 1982 and it features original Italian recipes. They do great food. This Friday at 1 o'clock, you can get a $50 gift certificate for only 25 bucks. These go quickly. We only have 100 certificates available. Get yours this Friday starting at 1 o'clock by heading to WTMJ Supper Club dot wtmjsupperclub.com okay there's a brewery in sheboygan called three sheeps i i I know the guys that run it they make a really good ipa they understand that the plural of sheep is sheep (laughs) but but nevertheless they they call it three sheeps everybody will say well what do you mean three sheeps you know that plural sheep is sheep they understand it they they do that because they, they think it's it's kind of clever all right we understand here at wtmj my producer hondo and i that sea lion is two words. We understand that it is two words. I have a story coming up in 15 minutes. There is a video that you really have to see. Um, it involves a little girl who is pulled into the water by a sea lion. And again, I understand that sea lion is two words. Um, pulled into the water by a, a sea lion, and there's now a huge controversy that is developed. We are going to be discussing that in about 15 minutes. If you would like to see the video, which runs about one minute, you can text sea lion, one word. <laughs> I know it's two words, but just the way we set this up, if you just put sea lion together, S-E-A-L-I-O-N, text it. To 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We will send you the video that I'm going to be discussing in about 15 minutes. So just like the folks at Three Sheeps Brewery understand that the plural of sheep is sheep, I understand that sea lion is two words. But if you put it all together, I will text you. We will text you um, the video that we're going to be discussing in 15 minutes. Um, coming up right after the news, we're going to be talking about impeachment election. But Sea Lion, 7414-799-1620. Jane, did I do a good job of explaining it? Because if, if I didn't say something, I would be getting all these hostile emails saying, hey, stupid, don't you realize Sea <laughs> Lion is two words? You did an ex- excellent explanation. I understand Sea Lion is, is two words, but just for our purposes, we're, we're putting it all, all together. It's 936, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Does the boss get on you because you doodle during meetings? Experts now say it could actually enhance your focus and your concentration. Our very own John McCure has the scoop, 320 this afternoon during Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Hey, also, check out our podcast page and link. Uh, John had uh, Scott and Tanette Walker in yesterday um, if, from 4 to 5 o'clock as part of our community conversations. Did just an absolutely great job. It was a fascinating interview, so check that out. All right, big thing number three. Headline in the Washington Post, get ready for the impeachment election. All right, the, the I word is being thrown around Washington. Impeach Trump, impeach Trump. Here is the reality. Unless there is some smoking gun that, that shows up in one of these investigations clearly linking Donald Trump to, collu- collu- to a conspiracy with the Russians to try to influence the election, he is not going to be impeached in the next two years. It's just, it's not going to happen. You have the Republicans, and, and any impeachment would have to go through Congress. You have a Republican House, you have a Republican Senate. And again, it, unless there is 
some smoking gun that I don't think there is, but I could be wrong. I have no problem with the investigations proceeding. Unless there is some smoking gun, the impeachment is not going to happen. But part of the dynamic that could change this is what happens in the 2018 midterm elections if Democrats take control of the House of Representatives, they need to pick up, I believe, 25 seats, or if Democrats take control of the U.S. Senate. Right now, there's 52 Republicans in the U.S. Senate. Now, the the Senate map is tough because Democrats, I I, I should have checked this right before I'm about to say it, so I, I... Democrats are defending way more seats. The number that comes to mind is I think there's 25 Democrats that are up for re-election, only seven Republicans. I could be off on that, but there's a lot more Democrats than Republicans because a lot of of Democrats won six years ago, like people like Tammy Baldwin, when Obama was running and you kind of had that wave election. So it's going to be tough, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility. But as a practical matter, because there is a political element to impeachment, Donald Trump isn't going to be impeached as long as there is a Republican, Republicans control the House and the Senate, absent some huge smoking gun evidence. So already what is happening is one of the issues that the Democrats are starting to raise money on and run on is the issue of impeachment. Elect us and we will impeach Donald Trump. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this a winning strategy? Will this win hearts and minds? Might raise money, but will this be a winning strategy? Vote for us. We will impeach Trump in 2018. 414-799-1620. I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss. But is impeachment going to be a winning They want to make it the impeachment election. Is that a winning strategy? I'll tell you, like I say, where I come down on it. We'll discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 940. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 943, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Actually, not bad off the top of my head. 33 Senate seats up in 2018. Eight Republicans, 23 Democrats, and two independents, Bernie Sanders and Angus King, who run as independents, but they caucus with the Democrats. So, um, bad electoral map for at least 10 of the Democratic senators who are running in states that President uh, Trump won. Five running from states that Trump won by about 20 percentage points or more. So, smart money right now says Democrats don't retake control of the U.S. Senate just because of the map. But... This is already being called the impeachment election. Democrats already are raising money and running on the premise that vote for us. If we retake Congress, we will impeach Trump in 2019. I think this strategy is capital S for stupid. Mark in Bayview. Mark, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. I think I think it, it could be part of a larger strategy. Uh, full disclosure, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump mm-hmm. at all. Sure. Um, and I think... I think that uh, I just I read the budget not not in its entirety because it's pretty big, but um, I think once that budget it, and it, if the budget is passed, it's going to go di- it's going to go directly against a large amount of his constituency, mm-hmm. and I think also a lot of um, also with the failed attempt now twice to replace Obamacare, a lot of Republicans are going to be looking over their shoulders, especially come 2018. Is the impeachment thing? Yes, it would take a couple of years to get get him out of office. 
it should be a small piece of a larger plan, and I hope the Democrats have something to roll out on. I, for one, am a Democrat, so I'll, I'm, I'm going to be – I'm interested in see what happens. Well, see, I guess I, – I mean, thanks for calling, Mark. Here's, here's why I say it's capital S for stupid. It, it's – and I mean, I look at the lesson in Wisconsin. All right, you, you had all this angst over – over Scott Walker after Act Ten. Oh, we're gonna you know we're gonna take to the streets. We're gonna have all these effort. We're gonna do this recall thing. Recall effort fails miserably. To impeach Donald Trump. And again, I I am the safe from the premise. My premise is that there's not going to be some smoking gun that indicates that he's committed a high crime or or a misdemeanor. Now, obviously, that dynamic changes if one of these investigations turns up something. But the idea of Going to, in general, the American people and saying, even though we don't like a policy that somebody who's been elected has come up with, that we are going to throw him out because of that. We don't like his style, whatever. That, to me, is a completely, totally losing strategy, just like the recall effort in Wisconsin was a losing strategy. Now, I understand in the the fever swamps of, of the left, it helps you. It might help you raise money. I understand that. And among, like, donors, that's it. we got to impeach this, you know what, et cetera. And it might help you raise money. But as far as an overall strategy that wins an election, I would say make it an impeachment election. If that's what you're going to do, if that's going to be the issue, make it an impeachment election because I think you pretty much guarantee that you're not going to take control of the U.S. Senate or the House of Representatives because, to your point, Mark, I mean, people – I don't think people are going to vote on that. I think people are going to vote on the fundamental issues. How is the economy doing? Do we feel secure? And and I don't know how that's going to all play out a year from now. It's just too soon to tell for everybody who thinks, oh, this is going to be just a bloodbath and a debacle for Republicans in 2018. Maybe. But I, I wouldn't be betting our ranch on that because, again, you just don't know how things are going to go. But if you want to make this strategy, if you want to make it the impeachment election and you, you like the fact that Republicans control Congress, I would say to the Democrats, go ahead. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about the sea lion. If you want to see the video that is the subject of what we will be discussing once again. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. Text me the word Sea Lion. Just, I know, again, Sea Lion is two words, but just put it together. S-E-A-L-I-O-N, and we will send you the one-minute video. If you don't uh, if you don't have access to that, I will describe it for you, um, and we'll discuss. It's 948 Jeff Wagner, 620 WDMJ. It's 9.50. Jeff Wagner, glad to have you with us. Let's see. Um, our very our WTMJ Classic Free Ride makes a, pit, makes a pit stop in Wauwatosa tomorrow. Join John McCure in Wisconsin's Afternoon News as they broadcast live from 3 to 6 at Pools True Value on 68th Street, North 68th Street. Register to win the incredible 1968 Valenti Oldsmobile 442 convertible and tickets to see Luke Bryan at Summerfest next month. That's tomorrow from 3 to 6 at Pools True Value on North 68th Street in Wauwatosa. It's the WTMJ Classic Free Ride sponsored by New Mail Medical. All right. Many of you have have texted this. Here's um, here is the story, and here's what happened um, on Saturday. There was a family. They have not been identified yet, and, and they're up in, in British Columbia, which is on the west coast of Canada, and they're at at Steveston Harbor, um, and it's one of these places where, just like you know, Fisherman's Wharf, things like that, you you can you can you hang out on the pier. Now, in the Pacific, you have sea lions, which are um, 
several hundred pound wild animals. Um, they have signs that say, do not feed the animals. It's kind of like, you know, you go to these places, do not feed the bears, all right? So what happens is, but sea lions look cute and look cuddly. Now they're, they're a couple hundred pounds. There is the video. What happens is there is a family, and they're, they're at the dock, and there's different sea lions that come right up to, to the dock, to the pier, and they, together with other tourists, are feeding the sea lions. And you, you see in this video that somebody is taking that there's this little girl who's kind of bent down and she's sort of looking at, at the sea lions and she's got this pretty little dress that's hanging down. And you can see on the video that there's a sea lion that is swimming around. Somebody has thrown like a piece of bread or something into the water. The sea lion eats the piece of bread. Then you can see the girl who is kind of on her, you know, she's crouched down kind of on her knees. Um, the sea lion sort of jumps up. And she kind of laughs, and everybody sort of laughs. And then the sea lion jumps up again, grabs her by the dress, and pulls her under the water. It is very, very dramatic. One of the onlookers, one of the other people who's out on on the dock on the pier, immediately jumps into the water. I mean, the girl is under the water immediately jumps in, and I assume that um, it's not very deep at this point, but but somebody jumps in, grabs the girl, is able to pull her, now she's underwater, is able to pull her out of the sea lion's mouth and, you know, put her up on the dock, and her and her family kind of scurry off, and people stand there, and they're, or they're being, you know, they're all shaking their heads about this. So, I mean, this all's well that ends well. Because the, the child, while obviously probably being traumatized, could have easily ended up dead. Well, now there is this controversy that is developing about this instant instance. And some people are suggesting, well, maybe what we need to do is we need to figure out ways to block um, sea lions, block these marine animals from being able to get close to the dock. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, I watched this video, and I will tell you, my response is, pardon my French, what the hell are the parents thinking? I mean, really, you know, it's just you would not take a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and go up to a bear in a campground and give that peanut butter jelly sandwich to the bear. Who in their right mind, and there's signs that say, do not feed the animals. All right, well, there's a reason for that. Part of it is these are wild animals. And, you know, it's not a zoo. It's not a petting zoo. You know, you are dealing with wild marine animals. And the idea that you would, it's not like you've gone to SeaWorld and stuff and that these are, like, trained. These are wild animals. What parent in their right mind allows a child, and I I guess this this looks like a six- or seven-year-old kid. I, I don't know. Um, to, to go and try to pet the sea lion. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is, is this the fault of harbor authorities? Do you need to do, should they be doing something to, I don't know, block off access? I don't know, put in some fences or whatever to stop these marine animals by from being able to get up to the dock? Or is this a situation where mom and dad should have had, at least in my opinion, the common sense that God gave a goose to know that you don't, you know, there's a reason it says don't feed the animals. There's a reason it says don't try to pet the animals. To me, this is completely, totally, 100% 
on the parents of this girl for allowing her to you know lean over and to get into a position where in this case the marine animal could come up and you know pull her dress and I'm, i mean this would be a completely different conversation if the girl had drowned i mean let, let's face it um then you have a whole different story but already your people are saying well okay is this an unreasonably dangerous thing no it's only dangerous because you have somebody who's trying to get near wild animals 414-799-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line let's start with sal in milwaukee sal you're on 620 wtmj good morning good morning i agree with you 100 percent yeah, I mean, I mean, who who lets their kid? I mean, again, it, it's like you're, it's like you're in a national park. Oh, there's a bear here. Go pet the bear. Who lets them do that? I mean, this, it's a, and I'm sure that they didn't. Yeah, I mean, thanks. I mean, I'm sure the parents didn't realize that the sea lion might do something like this. I haven't been around sea lions enough to know this is common, but sea lion doesn't know. Sea lion's a wild animal. The people are feeding the sea lion, so they're throwing food in there. Sea lion probably doesn't know the difference between the food that people are throwing in and the dress that's hanging down from the little girl when you dangle it over the dock. Let's talk to Jeff in Wauwatosa. Jeff, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, Jeff, this kind of reminds me of the incident where the girl at the zoo in Madison got kicked by the giraffe. Yeah. Um, the, the, the simple solution is just to obey the signs and don't feed and interact with the animals, period. Yeah, I mean, it's they, they are wild animals. But who, you know, who would know the thing? That's the, you know, who who would know it? Now, thanks. I mean, every right. You, you don't. She's bending down. Um, she's making herself an, an easy target. And they're feeding the animals. I mean, look. All right, I, I love my little dog, all right? But the truth is, I walk into the room, and if I've got one of those bacon treats or whatever, she's, she knows what it is. She's jumping up trying to get the bacon treat. She's, she knows that that's food. All right, if you have people that are standing on the dock throwing food at these animals, they that's what they, they think. That's why they're going to be jumping up trying to get it. That's why you don't feed wild animals. Kelly in West Bend. Kelly, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Thanks Hi, for taking my call. Yeah. And everybody's kind of still on my thunder, but it never ceases to amaze me how stupid parents can be when it comes to their kids and animals. This is not a tame animal. It's a wild animal. It's not there to pose for a picture with your kid. It's right. not there to look cute. Stay away from it. Right. And as far as, you know, trying to build a wall or something, you know, unfortunately, you can't teach people not to be stupid because they're still going to find a way. Yeah, right. There's reasons why they have the signs, do not feed the animals. And look, and I, I'm sure that the parents didn't realize that the sea lion could jump out of the water like that, but okay, but who, whose fault is that? That's why they say don't feed the animals because, gee, the animal thinks it's food, it's going to jump up. Now, thanks thanks for calling. Again, it's just, the, the, the whole discussion was just making my head explode because I'm looking at this video over and over again, and it's a different conversation if the kid drowns. And let's face it, if there hadn't been a, a bystander there who immediately acted, jumped in, was able to wrestle a little girl out of the mouth of the sea or dress out of the mouth of the sea lion, this would be a different story. That kid would have drowned. But it wouldn't have, in my opinion, it wouldn't have been the fault of the sea lion. It wouldn't have been the Canadian authorities. It would have been mom and dad who, when it says don't feed the animals, they did. Once again, if you want to see this video of text. Make it just one word, sea lion, and we'll send it to you. It's actually pretty dramatic. It's 959. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1010. This is Jeff Wagner. Jane, help me out on something. I'm, uh, I'm not, as somebody who tries to avoid going into stores and doing shopping, and if you look at the stuff in my refrigerator and my cabinets, you, you'd get that indication. So, oh, 
refrigerator's full of beer. There's uh, like a half gallon of milk and some cheese and <laughs> and some frozen dinners. It's 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 it is that bad. But I, I I'm not so I'm not up on like a lot of consumer prices and stuff. How much does a pack of cigarettes cost? Do you know? It's uh, almost eight. Well, it depends upon the brand that you smoke. But if right. you smoke a, a a big name brand like Marlboro or something, it's almost eight bucks a pack. Eight bucks a pack. Yeah, a carton is almost eighty dollars. Wow. I, and do you know? See now, this is something I do know. Do you know how much the uh, tax in Wisconsin is on a, of that eight bucks? Do you know how much you're paying tax for each ex- a pack of cigarettes? I think I do. Okay, two fifty two. Two fifty two. Look at the big brain on Jane. Yeah, two dollars. <laughs> do I want a prize? Right. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yes. No. Vince no, we gave can't. you the day off. Vince gave you the day off. Well, that's that's okay. No, two dollars. You're right. Two dollars and fifty two cents, and then there's whatever the federal tax is. Now, all right. As, as long as we're going, do you know if you were to buy that same pack of cigarettes on an Indian reservation in Wisconsin? Do you know how much of that $2.52 the state sends back to the Indian tribes? I do not. $1.76. You're looking at me in a puzzled fashion. I, I am puzzled. All right. Well, then you're going to be wanting to listen to this segment that I'm about ready to do. All right. See? Kind of kind of drew you in there. All right. I, actually, I've been sort of aware of this in the back of my mind. Um Bob Donovan has a a press release that he's putting out today. I, let me just share with you a portion of it. Um, and he is bemoaning the death of some legislation that was sponsored by State Senator Leah Vukmir and State Representative Joe Sanfilippo. Let me just read you the, the portion of the, the press state the press release that Donovan just put out. Do you know the state of Wisconsin is subsidizing Native American tribes for cigarette sales to the tune of sixty eight point seven million dollars? Over a two-year period. I bet most people in Wisconsin are unaware of it, as I was until just recently. On top of that, they've been doing it for decades. And all at the same time, they've been spending millions trying to get people to quit smoking. Go figure. Have you ever wondered why most people just shake their heads when they learn about crazy decisions made by government? Well, this is one of those moments. For the better part of two years, I've been, this is Bob Donovan's statement, for the better part of two years, I've been working with State Representative Joe Sanfilippo to fashion a way to dramatically increase state grant funds to help communities hire foot and bicycle patrol officers, known as beat cops, as well as specialized officers. Um, Obviously, we need this because of public safety challenges. With increased calls for cops, part of the problem is that we need to find money to pay for the resources. Representative Sanfilippo has offered multiple options to reprioritize funding and direct it towards law enforcement. One idea from Representative Sanfilippo is a no-brainer, which would redirect the state's cigarette sales tax subsidy to provide funds to local communities to hire more police officers. All right, let me explain what Donovan is talking about. Under the law... Under the law, if Indian tribes sell cigarettes to Indian tribal members, those sales cannot be taxed by the state. All right. So if you're a member of the tribe, you're a Native American, you buy cigarettes from the tribe at their smoke shop or whatever, that cannot be taxed. Under the law, the states do, in fact, have the right, though, to tax 
the sales that an Indian tribe, say on an Indian reservation, you're at the casino or whatever, you go to buy cigarettes, the state has a right to collect a sales tax. And in Wisconsin, it's $2.52 a pack from the non-Indian who buys this, right? So the way cigarettes work is cigarettes are, are supposed to, when, when you buy cigarettes, when you, if you're the distributor, you buy cigarettes, they're supposed to have a tax stamp on them, which means the tax has been paid. Going back to the 1980s, and this is, Donovan is absolutely correct, it is before you had the explosion of casino gaming. The state of Wisconsin wanted to help out Indian tribes, which were in general were very impoverished. They wanted to help them out. Um, and they also wanted to make sure they at least got some tax revenue because there was a concern that even though they're supposed to be selling cigarettes that had stamps on them, meaning tax had been paid, um, there were unstamped cigarettes being sold. So the state back in the 80s um, cut a deal where they said, I tell you what we're going to do, Indian tribes, you you pay the tax up front. You buy the stamped cigarettes. You collect the tax, and then we will rebate you 70% of the tax that you have collected from the non-Indians. So Hondo goes in to buy a pack of cigarettes. He does not smoke, but he goes in to buy a pack of cigarettes. He pays the whatever he pays, $2.52 of that is supposed to go to the state, and it does. But then the state turns around and sends, by my math, about $1.76 for every pack of cigarettes sold back to the Indian tribes. All right? And that's been going on since the 80s. That, the state can, the state, my understanding is, the state can stop doing that with 30 days' notice. And what Leah Vukmir, state senator who's going to be running for U.S. Senate uh, in a year, and, and Joe Sanfilippo have been apparently arguing is, if, if this made sense to do it in the 1980s, because we wanted to you know, create a benefit for the Indian tribes financially to help them out. It doesn't make sense in 2017 when we've given the Indian tribes these huge monopolies over gaming. Why are we giving them, again, the advantage over regular retailers? You know, if you're going to go into, you know, wherever, you know, wherever you buy your cigarettes, they have to pay the, the full, they have to collect and pay the full tax. So number one, why do you do that? And, and then number I mean, number two, this is you give them you give the Indian tribes a huge advantage. But secondly, the fundamental question is: is is this fair anymore? All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, th- there's a couple other dynamics that are going on here, and, and I understand part of the state's concern when they did this in the '80s is that a lot of the tribes were selling un unstamped cigarettes that, that they had gotten so they hadn't paid for the they hadn't paid the taxes at all but the state my understanding is under the law has every right if they choose to treat the tribal smoke shops exactly like they treat i don't know where the, the pick and saves or walgreens or wherever you go nowadays 
or the convenience store to buy the cigarettes. So the question becomes, should we continue to give that advantage? Should we continue to kick back $1 and, by my count, $0.76 in tax on every pack of cigarettes sold on an Indian reservation? Should you continue to kick that back to to the tribes? Um, Donovan's numbers say $68.7 million being rebated over a two-year period. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have to agree with Bob Donovan in this case. If we're looking at money, this seems to me to be the low-hanging fruit. And I, for the life of me, don't understand why the legislature, which is so adamant in some respects about protecting area businesses we, we you know we talk about the minimum markup all, law all the time you know why would you put why would you put retailers in areas around places where you have the indian reservations that have the smoke shops why would you put them at such a competitive disadvantage 4147991620 and what about taking i mean if we're looking for 68 million dollars in extra revenue Seems to me this is a pretty easy way to get it. All right, we discuss next. If you're on the line, hold on. 1019, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1021, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I, I, look, I think I, I agree with Donovan here. This is a no-brainer. I think it is ridiculous that the state of Wisconsin continues this policy that they adopted in the 80s. Maybe it made sense in 1983, but continues this policy where for every $2.52 in tax that – is paid for when you buy a pack of cigarettes from an Indian tribe on an Indian reservation, we kick back a dollar seventy five or a dollar seventy six to that tribe. You know, we, we don't do that for other retailers. And in most cases, especially the, these tribes that are running the casinos, we've already given them pretty much a license to make money. This to me it's just it's crazy on all sorts of levels. Dave in Green Bay. Dave you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Morning Jeff. Thank you for taking my yes, call. Sir. Uh, we're, we're right up in the Green Bay area. I've got the Oneida Casino in my backyard pretty much. And what I see is the Indians are doing fairly well. Uh, yeah. and, and I think, my goodness, it's like something implemented, like you said, here's a goal, and it never gets repealed, but the money keeps coming in. Yeah. And uh, I think, yes, it should be taken away. Uh, you know, they, they, there's so much money funneled in through the casinos and yeah. they, Governments have tried. If I, if my, son, if my kids have that, or if I have that advantages, I'd be a billionaire now. Well, see, and again, I, I understand. Maybe in the eighties, where you're, first of all, I mean, I, I think they were trying to figure out. They, they were concerned that the tribes were selling unstamped cigarettes against the law, so they were concerned about that. So they kind of cut this deal. Okay, you, you sell stamped cigarettes. And, and we will, so then we can keep track of what the sales are, and, but we'll give you 70% back. Now, maybe in 1983, with depressed economies and things, maybe that made sense. But my gosh, like you're talking about, and I don't mean to pick on the Oneidas, but any of them, you know, these are, these casinos are already licenses to print money. And think about the competitive disadvantage, Dave, you know, up in your area, that the, the retailers who are selling cigarettes, the convenience stores or whatever, think of the competitive disadvantage that they are at, because they've got to pay all two dollars and fifty two cents of that tax. They don't get a dollar seventy six back. No, I, I think it's terribly unfair to uh retailers and that and the parking lots on Mason Street that they're just full all day long. So my goodness, you know, yeah. this isn't gonna hurt them any. Right, no thanks. And I guess I didn't know 
I, and and I'm, the sixty-eight million dollars that I'm I'm using. I mean, that's that that number. That's what Bob Donovan has in his press release: sixty-eight million dollars over a two-year period. That's you know that's not Trump change. I, I mean, you know, if we were talking about a small amount of money. Um, and you can define small however you want. Okay, maybe you'd say, okay, it's not worth this, and you know, it's not worth the effort. But sixty-eight point seven million dollars to, in, in many cases, tribes that have a license to print money, given the fact that we have given them monopolies on gambling. I just, I really. Let's talk to. Uh, let's see, Bob and Juno. Bob, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I try not to get off on a tangent because this kind of strikes a chord with so many of these ridiculous kind of uh, uh, politics that we have these days. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the white guilt where we don't we we don't make it uh, fair or equal because we feel that you know um, they've been dealt a, a, a bad hand. But it just keeps getting worse and worse, and it's these common sense things yeah. that to every normal person seems like that makes no sense. And if we would just have more common sense, you know, dealings with things like this, I think we wouldn't have such left and right issues and find, you know, find a common ground where, you know, the, right. you can't unring a bell. You know, what, what what's happened in the past, you just can go forward. You know? well, well, right. And again, it's 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 not 1983. I mean, it's 2017 where we where Indian tribes in Wisconsin have a monopoly when it comes to gaming they are making money hand over fist do you need to essentially shaft you know to to 68 point think of all the stuff you could do with 68.7 million dollars in added revenue that other retailers already have to pay i'm telling you i if if i were the grocers association or what are the convenience store associates i'd be irate over this i mean they can't compete and it's one of those situations where it's a product that's going to sell itself because, let's face it, it's right. an addictive thing. You know what I mean? People right. are going to pay whatever if you're, you know, if you're a smoker. But um, and like you said, in the '80s, it probably made sense. But it seems like they're getting to be carved, they're carving out bigger and bigger niches of this monopolized gaming. Yeah. And uh, you know, and at some point, you have to say, you know, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Yeah. No. Thank. And see, and here, and again, here, here's why this has come up because Leah Vukmir. State Senator, um, who is running, going to be going to be running for U.S. Senate, and Joe Sanfilippo, who, in my opinion, has been one of the leaders in trying to exercise and implement some common sense in the budget. They've been saying, "Hey, let's let's eliminate this exemption. Let's and, and you could do it. That this is you cannot legally tax tribe. The state can't tax tribal sales of cigarettes to tribal members. You can tax tribal sales of cigarettes to the average citizen." And they're saying, hey, let's let's just eliminate this exemption and let's treat the tribal smoke shops when they sell to people like Jeff Wagner or Hondo or whatever. You know, you're not going to get 70 percent tax back. You're going to be treated like everybody else. I just think that is an absolute and total no-brainer. And why the Joint Finance Committee, as they are looking for millions of dollars, why they decided to leave $68.7 million on the table in the next two years' budget is mind-boggling to me. Mind-boggling. So for all the people in the Joint Finance Committee who send me emails, so I know, listen, you know, come on, that's $68.7 million that you have left on the table. Wake up.
It's 1036, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Where are the best places in the world to watch a sporting event? Our own Doug Russell spans the globe to give us his list in our latest edition of Top 6, up now at WTMJ.com. Hondo is producing the show today and always. Do you realize, I've just kind of caught on to this, that our digital people are, are giving, on a daily basis, our digital people are giving people an insight into the mind of, of Jeff Wagner and... Also, as to perhaps my time management skills. See, here's what happens behind the scene. Um, every evening or generally speaking, like early in the morning, like around 6 o'clock, what, what I do is I send this thing off to everybody. It's, it's, I call it the show rundown. And what I do is I list what the three big things are going to be, and then I list different things that I, I hope to discuss you know, during the 9 o'clock, the 10 o'clock, and the 11 o'clock hour. And that those, those are my goals. You know, it's, it's not that you have to do it. But we... we I guess I never really paid much attention to this. We post these. We post these up on the Internet. Now, you can go to WTMJ.com and you can see the show rundown. So you can have in front of you the same thing that I have in front of me. Now, the problem with this is that I'm not married to this. And so I I skip around, you know, um, and and I do things, you know, when when I want to do them. Um, For example, like the the sea lion story, I decided I, I had that scheduled for later in the show. I wanted to move it up. And then... As always happens, I overbook the show, um, and so there's all sorts of things that we didn't get to. And so I, sometimes I carry them over. But you can go to WTMJ.com, and you get an insight into what is going on in my mind, at least. And then you can, on a regular basis, say, see, you said you were going to do you know, these 12 things, and you, you didn't get to them. And then you, you did some stuff that you didn't say. Well, that, that's, that's just it. I just sometimes you do that. But we have this show rundown that's posted every day, and uh, they do actually put some links to some of the stories as well. So you can check it out. You can follow along, and you can see how good I am at following the linear stuff. And a lot of times I just kind of just bounce around because what sounds good to me when I'm sitting at my desk in my PJs at 6 in the morning you know, when you're 9.30 or 10 o'clock, you kind of make those changes. Hey, um, the Bill Cosby trial, it's day three. They're still trying to get a jury. If you were listening Monday, I did a little bit of a bit on this. I There's no question in my mind that Bill Cosby is a sleaze. There's no question in my mind that Bill Cosby was another one of these celebrities, you know, with feet of clay. That the, the real Bill Cosby was different than the, the public persona of Bill Cosby. And it pains me to say that because I enjoyed the public persona of Bill Cosby. As I said, I had an opportunity to interview him on one or two occasions. I found him to be a great interview. He was fun. Um, and I think, you know, he's offered interesting commentary over the years of the plight uh, involving the plight of African-American males, which, you know, essentially a lot of times talks about the need for at least some responsibility to be taken in the African-American. American community. Um, you know, it, it now comes out that Bill Cosby had another side, and there's reports that suggest going back to what the 60s or 70s, he would have he had sex with number a number of women, and the allegations are that he would slip them back in the 60s and 70s. The drug of choice was quaaludes, and now other other drugs over the years, essentially like kind of date rape drugs. And um, most of these allegations. Uh, were outside the statute of limitations. In some cases, there were settlements that were paid. But you do, and I, I mean, I don't know if it happened or not, but, you know, after a while, you start to hear this pattern. And, you know, if you have somebody that's 79 years old, and all of a sudden one person comes up and he says that they said he did it to me, and there's no other evidence, you kind of maybe wonder about it. If, on the other hand, you have lots of women who are saying the same things over the years, you start to wonder, you know, are, are they all hallucinating? Are they all making this up? Or are they all trying to get money? Or is there something there? In any event, um, 
There's this woman who alleges that sometime in January or February of 2004, she had the, she went to Bill Cosby's house and he slipped her some drug and then took advantage then and had had sex with her. She um, the authorities she waited to report this. Um, she waited, I think, about a year to report this, and then you know when she went to authorities, they just said, "Well, there, there's there's no evidence. You know, we're not going to be able to prove with the passage of time. We're not going to be able to prove you know any sort of sexual assault." She ended up filing a lawsuit. The lawsuit was settled. Cosby paid her money. There was a non-disclosure agreement through a variety of circumstances. Um, with the statute of limitations getting ready to blow, authorities in Pennsylvania have brought felony charges against. Bill Cosby. As I said the other day, I do not know what happened between the two of them. Um, Based on what I understand to be the prosecution's case, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. And I take no position on what happened. I'm just saying the case is really old. The allegations, the woman waited a year to come forward with them. There's evidence that she had contact with Cosby between when this supposedly happened and when she went to authorities, um, including you know showing up at one of his concerts and giving him a gift and things like like that, his story is apparently yes we had sex but it, it was consensual. So um, I, the, to me the case screams reasonable doubt. But the other interesting thing and the other question is how do you get a jury? And they're um, they've been trying to pick a jury for three days. How do you get somebody who? hasn't formed an opinion on the case and can't put that opinion aside. So they're in day three of jury selection, but it's already become a mess because the allegations are, and to an extent, Bill Cosby's playing the race card, and I, I don't I don't know the race of the woman who's, who's brought the, the claim against him, but the prosecution has, at least according to the Cosby defense team, been systematically striking black people from the, from the jury. So right now, they need 12 jurors and six alternates. I think they've got 11 jurors. Ten of the 11 jurors are white. Um, and there's, there's been all sorts of allegations that, again, the prosecution is trying to keep black people off the jury. I don't. The judge so far has rejected it, but clearly there's going to be an issue if Bill Cosby is is convicted moving forward about that, um, because his attorneys are trying to racialize this, and they allege the prosecution is trying to racialize it. Uh, at some point in time, you're going to get a jury. Who knows what the evidence is going to show? But once again, once they do this trial. I think it's going to be difficult to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, which says nothing about, you know, is he guilty or not? I don't know what happened, but I'm just saying um, after all this time, it's going to be tough to prove. Okay, I've been waiting all morning to discuss this story. Matter of fact, it's not on our show rundown because Hondo found it and forwarded it to me, and I found it to be incredibly interesting. Here's the deal. Um, the, The young woman, she's 18 years old. Her name is Maddie Runkles. She attends a Christian high school called Heritage Academy in Western Maryland. She, with, with one exception that I'll tell you about in a second, has been a model student. Straight A's this year, president of the student council. Now, this is a, a Christian school that promotes and teaches Christian values. Um, when you enroll at Heritage Academy... You sign a pledge, and the pledge includes a promise of abstaining from sexual immorality. That's the phrase. Um, all right, so that, that's it. She's at this Christian school. She's doing very well. Um, she does not abstain from sex. 
and she becomes pregnant. Um, she gets pregnant. Um, she's apparently, you know, she's very distraught about this. She considers having an abortion. And then, you know, talks about this with her mother. You know, she's saying, gosh, I, I know this is going to mess up my college plans. I can't believe this happened. You know, I, I'm 18 years old. You know, what, what's going to happen? She gets pregnant during her junior year, but she's starting to show during her, her senior year. Um, she talks about this with her mother. And, you know, she ends up saying, I, I look, I know what I did was wrong, but I believe abortion is wrong as well. Um, I just, I, I'm going to have the baby. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have an abortion. I'm going to have the baby. So she goes through a portion of her senior year. She's pregnant, 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 and ends up giving birth to to the child. All right. The school, the school says you have violated our immorality clause. And so what the school does once they find out that she is pregnant is they say, well, here, here's what's going to happen. Um, we're going to Number one, we're going to suspend you for, for two days. We're going to remove you from all student activities. In other words, we're going to bounce you from student council and things like that. Oh, okay, fine. Um, then they also say, on top of that, we are not going to allow you to participate in graduation. You're, you're going to get a diploma. You know, we forgive you. We love you. Um, we want you to be viewed as part of our family, but there is accountability necessary. So at the graduation ceremony that's coming up, you are not welcome to participate because um, you got pregnant. She's now going public with the story saying that she thinks that this is not a particularly Christian view and that if she'd had the abortion, Nobody would have known about it, and she would be able to participate in graduation. But because she made the decision to have the child, she now feels that she's being essentially singled out, given the scarlet letter. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. School says, hey, look, we, we love you, but we need there needs to be accountability, and this is your punishment. And presumably, it sends the wrong message to allow her to participate in graduation. Is the school doing the right thing? Again, I don't want to discuss whether or not they have the right to do it. I want to talk about, is it the right thing for the Christian school to do? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you where I come down on this, but I'm curious as to how you react as well. We discuss next. It's 1047. 1050, Jeff Wagner, uh, 620 WTMJ. In response to a couple questions, first of all, the father of the child is not a student at the school. That's number one. Number two, I I said she had had the baby. Actually, I misread that. Um, She's due to have the baby in the summer, so she's she's noticeably pregnant. I don't know if that changes the dynamic at all. In any event, the school says you violated our morality clause. You cannot participate in graduation. You can get a diploma. Some people apparently wanted her expelled. She says, hey, if I had an abortion, nobody would have known about this. I understand I made a mistake. All right, is the school doing the right thing by not allowing her to participate in the graduation ceremony? Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, good morning. Oh, good morning, Jeff. How you doing? Good. You know, this, this is this hypocritical thread is kind of woven through the pro-life movement. The fact is the girl is right. If she would have had the abortion, she would have been graduating. Yep, nobody would have known. Nobody would have known. Or even if, even if they probably would have known. She still would have been graduating because the fact is, I don't think that's part of their code that if she had an abortion, because uh, that, that mm-hmm. she wouldn't be able to graduate. 
so 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 the fact is she tried to she, she made a choice to have this child and I, I i i think that the school should one thing they don't have to honor it but they should allow her to graduate does it okay does it send the wrong message if you allow her to graduate does this say, hey, we have this code where you agree that you're not going to engage in, in this case, premarital sex. You obviously engage in premarital sex. Right. Does that send a message that to other girls that we're, we're actually going to look the other way on this? No, I don't think so. I, 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 I think the fact is if you decide to do counseling with girls and things of that sort and you decide to say, listen, we're allowing this to happen because I think she made a proper choice that she's having this child and, and, and we want to put our Christian arms around her and help her and her child, right. I think that would show a better example than saying, well, hey, we want to punish you yeah. for making this particular choice. Yeah, Vincent, I, I agree completely. I, I, and, and again, this isn't this question of does the school have the right to do it. The school does. It is the question of is it the right thing to do? And when you think of the alternative, I mean, I don't think this sends a message to other students that, hey, we're going to endorse, we, we support the idea of you becoming an unwed mother. They did, I mean, they, they did punish her. They stripped her of her student council activity. She was a student council president. They suspended her for a few days. All right, at this point in time, it just seems to me almost like it's piling on. I would think that you would want to. The girl knows she made a mistake. Everybody knows that she made a mistake. I don't think it encourages other people to follow suit. Um, and I'm sure that the girl would tell the same thing to pretty much everybody. Let's talk to um, Clint in Bayview. Clint, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks Hi, Clint. For taking my call. Sure. Hi. Uh, yeah, I agree with the girl. I think this is definitely not a Christian position. You know, as someone who was raised Catholic, I was always taught that, you know, Judge not, lest ye be judged. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all make mistakes, and that's between us and our God. Um, I think, you know, agreeing with Vincent, uh, instead of being hypocritical or instead of being judgmental, where is the love that the Christian faith teaches? Well, you but know, at the same time, of- she did violate the rules. Doesn't there need to be some punishment for that? Oh, sure. And, you know, the things of, you know, not uh, participating in some activities, maybe that's appropriate to address the the violation of the rules. But I think overall, uh, you know, there needs to be more of a message of love instead of condemnation. It's the same thing, you know, when, when people stand outside abortion clinics and say you're going to hell. It's like, where's the instead of telling someone they're going to hell for the choices they made why don't you say you know what i love you and i'm going to pray for you um, that's the christian position well right and, 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 and to an extent they are saying that they're saying look we're you're part of our family we, we embrace you they're, they're not saying that she can't graduate and and they're saying hey some people wanted her expelled we didn't expel her so this is kind of the compromise that we have walked out kelly uh, worked out kelly in west bend kelly good morning hi jeff Thanks hi kelly for taking my call sure what do you uh, think she, she knew that this was a Christian school, yep. correct? She did. Okay. She signed the pledge. Okay, she signed the pledge. So she knew that by getting pregnant, making the choice, that she, there would be consequences. Yep. They didn't ask her to give it up. They didn't ask her to have an abortion. All they're saying is that there are consequences to your actions. You can graduate. We love you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for your child. But you can't walk across the stage with your graduating class. Is that that's correct? That's that, that 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 is a summary, right? And she they okay. they stripped her of her student council presidency. They um, suspended her for a few days, and then this is the third element of that. I guess my question is: Do you think that that's do you think that's an unreasonable punishment? 
Not at all. Not at all. They have to draw the line somewhere. They they have to say her her actions her uh, have consequences, and this is a result of of those actions. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they're being too harsh. You have to draw the line someplace. If if they had just suspended her for a couple days and stripped her of the student council presidency, would you think that was going too light on her? Um. Yes. Okay. I do. I do. I, I think that they really needed to, I don't want to say make an example because that sounds really harsh, but I think they have to set, I think they have to say to the other students, this is not acceptable. We are a Christian school. Mm. We have certain standards. And if you decide that you can't meet those standards, then right. there will be consequences. Th- does, it, does it bother you at all, though, that if she had, once she found out she was pregnant, before she was showing, she had made the decision to have an abortion, that then nobody would have known about this and there would have been no consequences. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she she made the right decision to yeah. keep the, the baby, no doubt about it, and I think that they would agree with that. But it, it can't be an either-or. Okay, all right. Be- okay, I understand. Thanks for calling. See, and, and that's what I think is so fascinating about this particular conversation. It's 1056, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I, I would have let her graduate. I would have let her um, participate in the graduation and use this as an object lesson. Uh, the school's taken a different position, and I guess reasonable people can disagree. 1056. I'm Jeff Wagner. It's 1109. So, Colleen, is it just me, or does this seem to have been a particularly crummy spring? Yes, it's crummy. It's okay. cold, rainy, crummy. We, 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 we are paying for a relatively mild winter. This is, Everything evens out. But, yeah, I was, I was trying to think. I've only played two 18-hole rounds. I, I, I try to play on Sundays. I have a regular group. I, mm-hmm. I, and every once in a while, you can't make it. But I, I think I've only played two 18-hole rounds of golf because it's either been too cold or... It, it even if it's not raining on Sunday, it like last Saturday, you know, it pours rain all right. day, and so the, the course is so saturated that you just don't want to slog around. So it's it's not just me; it's been just crummy. No, it's been crummy, or there's been frost advisories, and you don't want to <laughs> you I, don't I, want to go out on that. I, no, Hondo says he hasn't moved his plants outside. No, I, I've got a little yeah. I've got a little planting project that I I want to do, and um, some people are going to help me with it, or actually they're going to do it. And I'm going to watch, but it's it's yeah, it's you typically they don't don't plant before Memorial Day, but it's it has been crummy does that mean it's going to be a cool summer i don't, don't know, know. I, I see i just think it all evens out i, I but um yeah i was looking at 48 Payback. degrees and cold and damp and okay it's not just me this has been crummy all right we've got brewers baseball coming up in uh, about 25 minutes or so tough loss yesterday but, but here's the encouraging thing about the brewers um with the exception of sunday okay so last sunday against the cubs was a blowout but you know they're, they're competitive I mean, I listened to and watched a good portion of that game last night. And the way I take in the games is I, if, if I'm not at Miller Park, I typically put the game on a TV and turn down the sound and, and listen to uh, Bob Uecker's call. So, I mean, it's uh, it, 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 they fell behind 4 to nothing, but, you know, they came back. I mean, they lost 4-3 to three and couldn't get over the top and had a chance to score a couple runs in the fifth inning with runners in the second and third and one out, couldn't get the runs in. But, but they, were, they were competitive. And the, the fact that they were behind four to nothing, they, they battled back, and they ended up coming up a little bit short. But I'm telling you, this is a—it's a fun team to watch. It's a good baseball team. They got a lot of good young players, and uh, you want to be listening to the games as we proceed through the year. 
All right. Um, a lot of stuff I'm not going to get to. And if you want to see the stuff I didn't get to, you, we have it posted, WTMJ, our, the Jeff Wagner Show Rundown. That's at WTMJ.com. And you'll see that he didn't talk about that. He didn't talk about that. But that's what tomorrow is for. Um, one thing I do want to talk about, Fox 6 actually reported this first. And uh, Steve Scafidi called my attention to it. And Scafidi and Bill Stat talked about this yesterday. I want to revisit this, especially since we're talking about religion. Oconomowoc. I love the community of Oconomowoc. If you live in Oconomowoc, you live in a, just a great just a great town. All right, there are two signs as you enter Oconomowoc that are creating a, an issue, I guess. Going back to apparently 1953, so what, 64 years ago, uh, the local Kiwanis Club, Erected two signs. I'm, I'm looking at them now. Um, the, the signs are on a little plot. They're, they're, they're two different ones you know, at different parts of town. On, on little plots of city-owned land as you enter the, the town. And it's it's like a it, – it, the sign is blue, and it sits on this little, like, land and – looks like I mean, it's kind of like land and stone, a little kind of like a planter or something almost. It's got the Kiwanis Club symbol, but it's on it's on city land. And, okay, if you're driving, you might want to pull over because I don't want you to be shocked by this. I do not want to have any collisions. You know, if you're at home, you might want to sit down because I don't want you to be shocked by this. But these two signs erected um, as part of the planters, um, they're blue signs. They're well-maintained, and they say, the churches of Oconomowoc welcome you. (gasps) Gasp. The churches of Oconomowoc welcome you. And they've got what appears to me to be a dove on them as well. They're Like I say, they're well-maintained, fine. They've been there for, you know, 60 years or whatever. Nobody thinks anything of them except now... Our friends at the Freedom From Religion Foundation are complaining. They claim that they have received complaints about these signs. First of all, I would love to know the person that complained about this sign. I I would love, wouldn't you? Well, probably not. You wouldn't want to spend any time with somebody who was so petty and obsessed with this. But it just says the Church of Oconomowoc welcome you, and apparently it was erected by the Kiwanis Club. Um... The spokesperson for the Freedom From Religion Foundation is outraged, outraged. I'm sure they have the best of intentions, but it sends a message that you are not a favorite citizen because the favorite citizens are Christian citizens. The second problem is it violates the Constitution. The foundation is demanding that Oconomowoc take this down. The city is saying, well, we're looking at it. We don't know how long the signs have been there, but the sign says Kiwanis Club 1953. The Freedom From Religion Foundation says if it endorses religion, which we think it does, it's unconstitutional whenever it was put up, and it's still unconstitutional now. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The signs language says, The churches of Oconomowoc welcome you. The Freedom From Religion Foundation, as it always does, has its undies in a bundle. These signs have been there for 60-plus years. Should Oconomowoc take them down, or should they tell the Freedom From Religion Foundation to, 
Well, okay. What I was thinking of would not be a very Christian thing to say. So we'll just say pound sand. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I do not understand how having the sign saying the churches of Oconomowoc welcome you provides an establishment of religion in violation of the establishment clause of the U.S. Constitution. But that's just me. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, hold on. It's 1116. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1118, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, touched a nerve on this one. Yeah, the Freedom From Religion Foundation going after Oconomowoc since since 1953, I think. They've had the Kiwanis Club put up these signs. They're they're in, like, looks like to me like it's like a land and stone kind of planter is the best I would describe it. On top of that, there's a well-kept blue sign. It says, the churches of Oconomowoc welcome you. And the Freedom From Religion Foundation says, oh, this is terrible. This is an establishment of religion. It's going to make people feel uncomfortable. Huh. Let's talk to Carolyn in Oconomowoc. Carolyn, good morning. <laughs> good morning. Yes, I've, I've lived in the Oconomowoc area for many, many years, and it does not say that the Christian churches of Oconomowoc right. welcome you. I mean, it could be the Wiccan church. It could be the church of, it could be any right. Jewish place. It could be the church of people that only wear pink tennis shoes. Right. Well, and and it's also churches are part of the community. See, I mean, I, even if it even it, you're right, it doesn't say the Catholic churches of Oconomowoc welcome you or something like that. But but it, it just see churches are part of the community, and I guess I'm trying to think about you know how does that upset people? How does that promote a particular religion by simply saying, hey, if you are a person of faith, the churches welcome you? See, I I just disagree with the premise entirely that this. Uh, promotes the establishment of a particular religion. It just says, hey, in our community, the churches welcome you. If you don't want to be welcomed, fine. I agree entirely. Okay, all right, so you live in Oconomowoc. Should they give in, or should they fight this? Absolutely not. Okay. I mean, they should not give in. Okay, now thanks. See, now that, see, that's the issue, because what happens is, um, you know, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, they are legal bullies, in my opinion. And, you know, what they do is they send these letters, and then what happens is if you don't comply, they threaten to sue you. This happens a lot. They threaten to sue you, and so then, you know, taxpayers get into the situation where, all right, we can just take down the signs, or we can fight, and maybe even if we think we're going to win, we're going to be looking at two years of litigation, and it's going to cost us X thousands of dollars uh, that we could be spending plowing the streets or something like that. That's, that's the economic terrorism that groups like the the Freedom from Religion Foundation use on communities. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Chris in Slinger. Chris, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Thanks Hi, Chris. My call. Sure. Oh, this, this is ridiculous. Uh, they got their work cut out for them, too, because there are signs like this in cities across the state, probably across country, but mm-hmm. we'll keep it here. Um, there's nothing in the sign compelling you to become religious or right. that you have to be. It is merely welcome. I don't see it as any different than the restaurants of Oconomowoc welcome you, the machine shops of Oconomowoc <laughs> Right. The Kiwanis Clubs of, of Oconomowoc welcome you, sure. Yeah, there, 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 there's no compelling statement or argument that, that creates like a contract or, or an, a, 
or an assumption or anything like that. So a good lawyer should take that to him. This drive, uh, I can't believe that this has even come up. Uh, well, thanks. But, but again, I mean, here's going to be the debate that's going on in Oconomowoc. It's going to be, is it worth fighting this? Do we care enough about these signs that are, are, are actually probably just part of the woodwork now? I mean, as far as you know, people notice them, nobody's ever thought about it. I, I go back to my basic premise, too. I'd love to know who made this complaint. I mean, that that that's really it. I, I mean, I, I think what happens is you have some of these anti-religion zealots that drive around um, looking to try to find things to be offended by. But, yeah, I don't see this as an establishment of religion. I see this as, hey, you know, we've got communities, we've got churches which are part of the community. They, they welcome you. And it's not like the city, you know, paid to erect this sign. Now, it does sit on city property, just like the other sort of welcome signs do. But who cares? Donna in Oconomowoc. Donna, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Donna. I've lived here for many years. <laughs> and the churches of Oconomowoc are a big part of our community. And not only do they serve the community, they serve all around the world. Right. right. All these groups. And... Um, they don't have to come to our city or live in our city. We were here first, obviously, that this is coming up all of a sudden. And we have a lot of good lawyers in Oconomowoc. <laughs> that might be willing to take. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, is there any reasonable person that would feel excluded from coming to Oconomowoc because you've got a sign like this up there? And my answer would be not unless they're nuts. <laughs> Just not unless they're nuts. Well, they did it to the grade school years ago, and we had to call it Harvest Fest because people didn't like certain things. And so all of a sudden, things had to be changed that way. And these people need to be stopped because, obviously, that's the problem in the world, uh, you know? <laughs> well, no, well, it is. No, and again, it, 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 it is... It, it is it is legal terrorism. You have some of these these anti-religious groups. They've got lawyers on staff, so it, it's fine. The lawyers are getting paid the salary. They 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 can threaten, you know, and they can say, okay, well, we're going to tie you up in litigation. You're going to have to hire outside counsel, and it's going to cost you X amount of dollars. And maybe you'll win, maybe you won't. But this is going to go on for a couple years. You're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars on legal fees, just give in. It is the economic terrorism of the anti-religious zealots, and it plays out over and over again. If you are in Oconomowoc, I encourage you to call to your, call the mayor, call the city council or common council, whatever they got out there, and just tell them, don't give in to the anti-religious zealots. <laughs> Seven twenty-seven. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. WTMJ lets you experience Wisconsin's finest supper clubs at half price this week. The WTMJ Supper Club featured restaurant is Katarina's Restaurante in Milwaukee. It's been family-owned since nineteen eighty-two. They do great food. The desserts are tremendous too. They feature original Italian recipes. This Friday at one o'clock. This Friday at one o'clock. You can go to our WTMJ show page. Click on the WTMJ Supper Club link, and for fifty for $25, you can get a $50 gift certificate. How cool is that? These go quickly. We only have 100 certificates available. Again, this Friday, starting at 1 o'clock, um, Katarina's Restaurante in Milwaukee. Um, yeah, I just a, a number of people are, are, are texting, and I'm getting swamped with emails and calls from people saying, you know, who do we contact? Well, you contact the mayor in Oconomowoc. You say, hey, don't give in to this stuff, and maybe this is a deal where – number of people are making the point on our text line that there's probably lots of, as one of our callers said, really good lawyers out there in Oconomowoc, and maybe somebody would be willing to uh, take this case on pro bono, that means for free, but for the good of the public, and stand up to the bullies 
and the anti-religious zealots that are at the Freedom From Religion Foundation. I am just saying. Hey, also, if you were listening earlier um, and you want to you wanna see this video, it's one of the most amazing stories of the day. We talked about it at the end of the 9 o'clock hour. It's this little girl who was ignoring signs and was pulled into the, the water off a pier um, by, by a sea lion. And there's a huge controversy now about whether or not they need to, I don't know, get rid of the sea lions or put fences around. Uh, my, my whole take is when it says don't feed the bears, you don't give the bear a peanut butter jelly sandwich. And when it says, you know, don't feed the sea lions and avoid like 200 pound animals, you avoid the 200 pound, in this case, mammal, or else bad things would happen. But it is a stunning, just an absolutely stunning video that could have turned out really, really bad were it not for the quick intervention of a bystander. If you want to see the video of that, text, and we've made it one word. I know it's two words. Sea lion is two words, but for our keyword, we put it all together. S-E-A-L-I-O-N, text sea lion to 414-799-1620, and we will send you that uh, link. It's about a minute video, and it's really something to behold. All right, I am out of time. Brewers baseball is coming up. The final game between the Brewers and the Toronto Blue Jays. Go crew, Matt Garza on the mound. I'm back 830 tomorrow when we do this all again. Have a great Wednesday. Stay dry.